the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Come to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thank you for tuning in. And if you are watching us live, then please do me a favor. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. And come and join us in the chat. Already got a lot of fans, a lot of live listeners that are participating in the conversation. If you are watching us later, then as always, we do appreciate five-star reviews. And that is one great way if you want to get into a future mailbag episode. Leave us a five-star review. Put your question in that review. We will throw it in the big old bag of mail. We're going to continue with a little bit more starting quarterback news as we did in our Saturday night instant reaction show. Very fun show. Check it out if you haven't already. And then we will move on to... uh, We love drafting things always. We are going to be drafting the ideal week one slate. There are like 46 games between FBS teams. And and you know what? We're, if you even want to say that Iowa South Dakota State is your draft pick, I'm not going to say rule that out. If you want to extend this all the way to the 60-some-odd games that are going to be on the slate, then you can do that as well. I uh, thought it'd be a fun way to get our week one started. Starting first, Danny, Mr. Cannell. Yeah, let's go. You hear it. Let's go. Already fired up for Yeah, let's and, do it. And I guess like as a, a just so we can go ahead and tease this, we're going to get to the draft in a little bit, but um we're everyone's going to watch Sunday and Monday, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like there's Man. just no question about it. Florida State LSU on Sunday night in New Orleans, um then on Monday night in Atlanta, we've got Georgia Tech and Clemson like that. Yeah, of course. We're going to be watching those, but there's a lot of action to break down. Otherwise, uh, we want to highlight some of our favorites that we've got. So, Danny, um, we did not get a chance to to hear your thoughts on this Nebraska team. I I chose not to, you know, go heavy gloating in the uh, in, in the group chat as it pertains to our ACC boys lock fight. Where are you at with Nebraska? Where is your panic meter if you thought that the best three-win team in America 
was going to be able to accomplish great things this year, if they were going to be able to reach that eight-win mark, reach that seven-win mark, how, how are you feeling about the Cornhuskers? I mean, not great. I don't want to spin this as, hey, I'm picking them to win the Big Ten West by any means, but I'm also not clamoring to fire Scott Frost like it seems everybody across America is ready to do. I think this team's going to be okay. I think they're still going to be able to turn this thing around. This, to me, is so mental for this team. They have a hurdle that they cannot get past. It's exactly like that. And I saw Derek Jeter say this in The Captain, in the documentary. His uh, rookie year, like in minor league yeah, baseball. Jeets. Jeets. He, he, was, he was awful. He had like 60 errors or something like that in one season. And he's like, I didn't want anybody to hit me the ball. And everybody's been in that position. Like, you have a rough play. If you play baseball, you don't want the ball hit to you. And then what happens? It always comes to you. For Nebraska, they've always been jumping out to early leads like they did in Ireland. And then what happens? The other team comes back. And then they squeeze tighter than anybody out there, which is why I don't have a problem with Scott Frost going for the onside kick. I didn't think it was a horrible, fireable offense. I think it's really easy to sit here and say, oh, it cost him the game because it was a turning point in that game. But, man, is it easy to do that when you have hindsight. I thought Scott Frost had an aggressive mindset coming into that game. They had talked about it. And what you want to do is you want to try to dispel these demons that are all around you, what better way to do that than to tell your team, I believe in you. I believe in you so much. We're going to go ahead. We're going to go for the jugular. We're not going to sit around and play it safe, play it tentative. We're going to go for the onside. We're going to get the ball back. We're going to go up by 18. We're not just going to blow this lead. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's where you want to go. I knew it, smart Alec. So, of course, it didn't work, but I thought – and look at the way the offense operated in the first half. I mean, it was wide open. Casey Thompson looked like he's in the Heisman. And I thought there was a subtlety right before halftime when they got the ball with 25 seconds. Last year's Nebraska would have knelt on it. Instead, they started throwing it. And they almost came back, got in the field goal range, didn't get the points. But they were aggressive. And I am not going to fault a coach for trying to be aggressive and try to change the narrative. Now, when it backfires on you, I also think – he didn't think his defense would fall apart. I think he said, hey, if worst case, you know, we'll be okay. We still can control this game. They got pushed around. That's pretty concerning. But as far as the, the win total looks, what was the total? Seven and a half? Seven and a half. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say they're going over eight, but I still think they got six. I don't want to say easy. I think they get six, yeah, and I think seven is in play. And I think a lot of – and now, again, Scott Frost may get fired because of that call. It became such a big deal – That might be what runs him out, but I think Nebraska fans should say, hold on a second. Also, the guy he coached against and the team he coached against, they may be better than we thought. Like, it is an even year. You know, Ryan Helinski looked awesome, and it kind of happens. Northwestern's one of those teams where they get it going. They scheme up things. Maybe they're going to be a lot better than they've been in the past. Like, I don't think it's an atrocious loss. It's tough because it's the same movie using Scott Frost's term feels like you're saying watching the same movie over and over again but i don't think it's i don't think it's the end of the world like nebraska fans feel but it's the only movie scott frost owns i know at nebraska 
at Nebraska, yes. But I mean, maybe we didn't notice it at UCF because he was coaching a team that was more talented than everybody else in its conference. So he didn't really have to worry about responding to getting punched in the face. And now when he's up against teams that have just as much talent and the coaching advantage on him, he really doesn't have a counter because I don't, I didn't think the onside kick was a good idea, but I don't think the onside kick is the problem as much as it's just a symptom of a lot of bad ideas that Scott Frost has had in close games at Nebraska. And I think that you mentioned how good the offense looked in the first half. And I talked about this on Saturday night. It looked awful in the second half because Northwestern went into the locker room and adjusted and Nebraska came out and kept trying to do the same damn thing, even after Northwestern had adjusted to it. And that has been a common thing about Scott Frost's Nebraska in years plus two. And you say there's a mental hurdle with the team. Yeah, I think it's the guy wearing the headset. I think he's the mental hurdle. Oh, I think it's all throughout. I mean, the tension. But they completely changed the role. They changed the roster. It's a new quarterback. It's a new offensive coordinator. They've changed all of these things. So why why is Casey Thompson have trouble getting over the hump when he hasn't experienced any of those Nebraska losses? Why is Mark Whipple having a problem getting over the hump when he hasn't been used to all those Nebraska losses? He just won a damn conference last year. He had nearly won a Heisman Trophy with his QB. Because That's, you feel it. They know these ghosts that are around. But the why program. do they feel it? Because we talk about it. Everyone talks about it all the time. It's not – see, that's the thing where I would disagree. And look, it's hard to justify the record of Scott Frost as the head coach in Nebraska. There's no doubt about it. But I do think if this team can get just one win, again, not North Dakota, because I do think they're going to rattle off a couple easy wins here. Yes. Then they're going to play Oklahoma, and they'll probably go up early. But if they can get to 4-2, and two, I think that Purdue game comes that much more important. And if they could beat that team, uh, Purdue, on the road – then it's like, man, they might say this is that big monkey that's off of our back and they can just breathe and just play and not have to play because everyone knows the narrative. Everyone on that in that locker room on the sideline knows it. Oh, we're, we can't blow this one. And that's why I think he went for the onside kick. He didn't want to have in a position where you're thinking don't blow it because it's impossible to play from that position. Don't blow this. You want to be the opposite. We're to close this game out, which is why I think he went for that. But let me ask you this just philosophical question. Regardless of how it worked out, the decision, if you're the better team, do you have to try trick plays or should you just be counting on your team winning out in the long run? Isn't the team, the underdog team, supposed to be the one that's pulling out surprise onside kicks? Yeah. I mean, so, it happens. But like when Nick Saban does doing that, that, what does that game. say about your mental state, about what, how you feel about your team? No, nah, but see, like, I just because in that situation, I totally understand what you're saying. But Bobby Bowden was a trick play machine, and we ran him all the time, and we were always the better team. You know, I think it's. But it's you, how many points were you already by. winning by when you were doing it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they they did run the punt Ruski down. Like that was what tie game from their own 13 or 14 yard line. I, yeah, a game changing time. The problem to do is it. not when you're like up by you, 11. Yeah, if the reason Saban did it is because his defense was just gassed and he realized they couldn't send him back out there. Like, like Clemson was going to score on an 80-yard field or on a 40-yard field. you know. And to me, the uh, I'm trying to find it here. What, didn't they – an excellent comment, Lynn P., by the way. Bobby Bowden was a good coach. Scott Frost <laughs> has had some questionable coaching moves, <laughs> certainly. Uh, didn't Nebraska get a stop or two before that onside kick? It, it felt like – Yes. Why? Why are you stealing a possession? Isn't your defense kind of turning the corner here? Maybe, or or maybe internally they just thought, "Hey, we were actually pretty screwed on those possessions. We got stops on, and we didn't play it well. And like we think our defense is is shot. Which correct? Uh, yeah, they they, they were. Um, but I, 
it it kind of introduces more variance into a game in which you're already up 11 at that point, and I don't really think it was necessary to do it. I, I'm a big sample set guy. I was wrong at how Ryan Holinsky would play in this game. I don't think I'm wrong about Ryan Holinsky being a good quarterback or not. And maybe he's turned the corner because it's two years in a row with the same coordinator, blah, 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 blah. But you still need to think about what happened like the prior three years of this kid's career. Do you really trust him to go 80 yards against you again if you just kick the ball off? I, I, I didn't like it. Here, another question, too, because like we showed the tweet earlier, and this is for all of you, not just Danny. I, I, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think this is a Nebraska team that could still double its win total from last year, finish 6-6, six and six, and go to a bowl game. But does that really change what your long-term vision of this program is under Scott Frost? Like, if Nebraska goes six and six this year and gets to a bowl game, or it goes seven and five, do you have any confidence based on the first forty-five games? That's right. He's coached forty-five games at Nebraska based on what you've seen in all those seasons. That things are going to improve, or is just going six and six now the new? You know, we can just get to a bowl game. Yay! Yeah, they beat Purdue on the road. Awesome. You guys are Nebraska. Come on. Yeah. Like they, they know what they need Five to do. Start somewhere. They'll do it. If so they I, get to seven he wins. started I mean, 45 games ago. Yes, I think if they get to seven wins, he's fired. I agree. You think six I, and I think six they'll is make done? It, I think six and six is done. I think seven and five is probably done. Mm. Mm. I don't Nebraska, think seven. You have a major NIL program behind you. A lot of coaches know that Nebraska is spending, spending. Go in there, get some new blood, get some new excitement in there. They don't have that new coach energy right now. There's not a lot of kids excited about Nebraska, independent of the NIL stuff they're doing. A lot of people would want that job. I, I, I think at this point, like they have to beat Oklahoma. Yeah, if they beat Oklahoma, that's the one thing I think that could really kind of rejuvenate things and put belief back in there. But if they don't and they finish six and six or seven and five, what do you, what's the point? What are you doing? Listen, we guaranteed this, they're. Guaranteed There's a lot of confidence. There's a lot of confidence in the Michigan Wolverines on this podcast. Um, but beat Michigan, beat Iowa. When like the back half of the schedule is where you start to see the losses pile up. But that's also where Scott Frost does his back against the wall, circle the wagons, rip off a couple upsets, and find a way to be able to make it into a bowl game. I think six wins could keep him the job if those six wins include a late season surge. It's just looking at those games and the likelihood of those games being wins for Nebraska are why some people are figuring that this might be it at this not, point. Not to keep this, we should probably move on, but just one little fun stat I think we should close this on. From Reddit College Football. After yesterday's loss, or Saturday's loss at this point, Scott Frost is now 15-30 and 30 at Nebraska. Bo Pelini was fired after going 67-27. and 27. If Frost wins the next 50 games, he would still have a worse record at Nebraska than Bo Pelini did. On the did field record, see- not 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 like, you know, driving record of your staff. <laughs> Correct. So. Did you see that? I think Pete Thamel followed it up with he'd have to win 22 straight to catch Bill Callahan. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's bad. Yeah. This was supposed to be the savior and it's just kind of like he's been better than Mike Riley's Nebraska teams. That's Maybe. low bar. Um, Maybe. He might not even be. You're right. I don't know. A <laughs> uh, little bit of starting quarterback news before we keep things rolling. Auburn will start the season against Mercer, and Auburn's starting quarterback will be T.J. Finley. Now, T.J. Finley did finish the year as uh, the starting quarterback for Auburn. Remember the former LSU transfer? Our guy Emory Hunt calls him Big Ponchatoula. And at times, like you see the physical gifts. You see the skills 
but I do not think that he was named uh, by many Auburn fans or, or necessarily by even all of us in the summer as like, that is going to be TJ Finley's job. You know, there was competition there and Zach Calzada had come in from Texas A&M. Then later in fall camp, we started to get the word that Zach Calzada might not have been as big of a factor in this quarterback battle and TJ Finley gets announced as the starter. What are the expectations for TJ Finley? Brian Harson has been very impressed, he says, with his command of the offense and the way that he's, I mean, let's, I could write a Mad Lib for the quotes that come out from a head coach about a starting quarterback as it pertains to the intangibles and taking control and leadership in the locker room and stuff like that. But TJ Finley seems to have inspired confidence from his head coach. What do we make of the Finley announcement? What are the expectations for Auburn's offense with Finley at quarterback? You know, I I had somebody I trust tell me this was Zach Calzada's job to lose, and he did just that. They went out and got Zach Calzada to start. Now, he was not an accurate passer at Texas A&M. He has a huge arm. Like, I've seen this kid since he was a junior in high school. It's, it's he, he, he has an arm cannon, but it doesn't always fire in the right spots. And even when he knows where he's going with the ball, you know, the, the ball placement is not always there. Uh, yeah, I'm not confident in, in, in this situation. I, I think you'll see T.J. Finley, obviously, and we'll, I think we'll see a good amount of Wildcat-style stuff with Robbie Ashford. I, I think Calzada was running third. From what my guys were telling me, so uh, you know, I no, I I've, I've been anti Auburn's offense all off season. I don't think they're any good. I think the receivers they lost, like, do they have the worst receiving core in the SEC outside of Vanderbilt? I think so. Hey, Vandy just put up sixty three points, bro. Yeah, that's, easy. That's true. Uh, shout out, shout out, Vandy late night. Um, yeah, I I don't. They're gonna have to be really really good at running the football, or Finley's gonna have to take a big jump, but. I don't think he did. I think Calzada just was bad. I'm on Auburn over six, so I'm going to be like Danny with Scott Frost here, and I'm just holding on. They're going to be fine. T.J. Finley, <laughs> he won the job. Zach Calzada did not lose the job. T.J. Finley went in there, played great, stole it from him. Tigers going to be scoring 35 points a game this year. You'll see. You'll see. I'm give Tank Tank Bigsby helps. <laughs> Any any quarterback's life is going to be easier based on the amount of attention and the amount of bodies and eyeballs that are going to have to be stuck on Tank Bigsby. So I, I was, well, I don't think Auburn needs to have a super dynamic um, passing attack in or, or overwhelm the opposition with talent on the perimeter to be able to accomplish what it project what the projections would have with them being about a six win team. So if TJ Finley is the one that limits the mistakes and, and is the um, the option that the coaching staff trusts the most to make the right decisions out there within the framework of the offense, sure. But I, I don't know if it inspired like overwhelming amounts of confidence because ultimately I always thought that whoever was starting at Auburn, their two jobs were to number one, not turn the ball over, and number two, give the ball to Tank Bixby. And Bottom number three, is, avoid the coup. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this is a... These are bad options. Let's be honest. Like, this probably was an ugly competition that just played out long enough. And you went with a guy that's probably most familiar with the system because he's played in it longer. And I wouldn't expect a lot out of it. But this, to Tom's point, when you have an attempted coup, guess what? It hurts. It hurts your chances of getting good players because they look at it as a disaster and they don't want any part of it, including your coaching staff, you know, who doesn't want any part of it either. You know, changing over coordinators, it's, it's a mess. 
Also, shout out to Brian Harson. I don't know if you guys saw the tweet from him this weekend, but on game day, they, they ran the graphic about Brian Harson's status at Nebraska, and he just took a screenshot, tweeted it with like a shrug emoji. <laughs> that was great. I mean, ultimately, I'm coming out of this whole experience with probably a, a higher uh, hi- higher thoughts on Brian Harson than I had going in just because mm-hmm. of the way that he has handled this at every turn. Nah, I'm in Mexico. Because my schedule said, I'm going to Mexico, and I'm not going to worry about all this right now. You guys figure this out. Uh, Did y'all – listen, I've said many times that there is a beat that is like the athletic director carousel beat. You know, there there are like media members, there are writers that are like all all into being in with the admins, and I don't – I just, it ain't me. So I can't speak with any, any like informed uh, insider sourced opinion when it comes to athletic directors, their relationships with their university presidents and all that turnover. But did y'all see that as the athletic director at Auburn gets ousted, then we start to see a bunch of other current and former athletic directors kind of like rush to a PR campaign to talk about how poorly he was treated, what a toxic situation that it was right there. And while we have even hinted at such, you know, difficulties within the Auburn community and the boosters fighting for power and even using the word coup here on this episode, did, did that sort of like trigger anything? Or were you surprised at all to, to see it get so, I mean, is petty even the right word? I mean, it just like, didn't we, know. like, didn't we say on this podcast that, that like, we had heard that he'd been told to find work a long time ago. And like, we yeah. knew the contract was not going to be renewed. Like this was not a secret. If you talk to anybody at Auburn's like Alan Green's not getting another contract there. He was told to find work. I thought he was going to Notre Dame at one point, just from like whispers around. I don't think that actually happened. Not, not like as the AD, but in some capacity. So no, I, I thought it was a little bit like the ADs are going to stick up for one another. They're going to take shots at Auburn. Alan Green made a power play, which I thought was kind of smart to do in terms of like actually grabbing the power because you had warring factions of boosters who wanted to make different hires when they ousted Gus Malzahn. And he went and hired Brian Harson. And Brian Harson did not emphasize and build his staff around recruiting enough when he came in there. And Andy Staples made this point on Twitter as well. And he's like, what, what are you whining about? Like, you know the expectations of the job and you hire a guy who's not up for it when it comes to recruiting. Like, they're not able to, like, they're not competitive on the recruiting space, or at least they weren't in his first year there based on who he hired. I think they've actually made some pretty good hires. Their back office staff got a lot better this year, but it just, you didn't hire a guy that makes sense for that job. And you're going to have to fire him after this year. All I'll say is regardless of, you know, like just AD sticking up for each other, the situation. I know Danny White wasn't at Tennessee when all the Tennessee was being Tennessee, but when the Tennessee athletic director is going on Twitter and dunking on your athletic department for being a dumpster fire, it's not a great sign. Now that was a family business. Kevin White came yeah, out. They're all too. Yeah. They, they were like, but I'm just saying, though, optics wise, Tennessee, PR. Tennessee is now at a point where it can look at Auburn and say, "What the hell are these guys doing? They're out of their minds." Yeah, it was very. Any, anyway, Brian Harson, you have hitched your future. Uh, at least here at the beginning, to TJ Finley as your quarterback at the offense. Uh, we will see how it goes. Again, the season starts for the Tigers against Mercer. Eight and four, 35 points a game. Will <laughs> Auburn Mercer be drafted as one of our must-see games 
for our viewers guide draft. That's right. We are going to be picking one game per slate draft style, trying to highlight the best games of the weekend. We'll get into that next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We've been telling you all month and we will continue to drive it just right into your ear holes and right into your eyeballs because it is too important for what Peloton can do for you. This is uh, a time where, you know, it's back to school, everything's cranking up and and your schedule's going to be a little bit out of sorts for a little bit. You might be super busy, but it does not matter if you only have five minutes or if you have an hour because Peloton's not just about bikes and treadmills. It's about a team of instructors ready to motivate you, all available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. With Peloton, there are literally thousands of classes ranging from strength training to yoga to running to boxing, which means that Peloton is the perfect non-judgmental space to experiment with new types of movement at a level and a pace that feels good for you. Tom, Danny, what kind of pace, what kind of classes have been feeling good for you to get you ready for week one? Oh, I've been on a Power Zone kick over the last week. It's great because Power Zone is a program that Peloton offers, which basically lets you perform at your level. You're not racing everybody else, but you're just performing at your best compared to certain zones where, you know, zones one through seven based on difficulty level that are customized to you based on how you do. And it's for me, it's been tremendous. I did a Power Zone ride this weekend and I've got a 30 minute Power Zone ride waiting for me on my schedule after we finish the show here today. So I'm pretty pumped. I'm very musically inclined, uh, inclined, so I like Kendall Tool's metal rides because yeah. you kind of got to get into a mode and a mood, and she brings the metal, and she wears all black and is throwing up the horns. They go, but class flies by. Listen, as Danny said right there, the music is absolutely iconic, and the metal rides are a big fan of these hosts, but even if you are into uh, just some ballads just to get you in your feels as you're going on your ride, then you've got it. Or maybe you need that bounce, baby. Maybe you need that 90s hip-hop, that 93, 96 BPM-type beats that will just get you in a perfect rhythm for your ride, or, or maybe even you're looking for a Pride Month playlist to get your blood pumping. There's a class for all of that iconic music. Whatever you're into, Peloton has the music that will get you moving. And you, as a Cover 3 listener or viewer, can try the Peloton bike or tread risk-free for 30 days. To learn more, go to onepeloton.com. That is one, the word, O-N-E, Peloton, P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. Once again, that is onepeloton.com. New members only. Terms apply. OnePeloton.com to try the Peloton bike or tread risk-free for 30 days. 
find me on there. I'll race you. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's a non-judgmental space, but if you want to get competitive, there is also that option. If you find, want to come and get it. Yeah. Find <laughs> Tom or Danny and, uh, and schedule a date and y'all can be there. All right. So it's time for the week one game draft. I thought that this was going to be a, a really good way for us to look. Everyone knows the big games, but the big games aren't necessarily the the ones that are going to be the most competitive. And they also might be um, ignoring if you are only focused on the big games, if you're only focused on what that one channel is force feeding you every single window, you might be missing out on some really, really interesting, important or just downright fun games uh, on the week one schedule. So five rounds as we run through this week one game draft. The task is to have one Thursday game, one Friday game, a Saturday early, which is you know noon Eastern time, a Saturday midday, more or less 3.30, and then a Saturday night. There is not a plentiful late night selection. In fact, like about when the 8 o'clock window winds down, that will be most of the action for the day on Saturday. Again, Sunday and Monday both have games. That Sunday is LSU and Florida State and New Orleans. Monday, Clemson and Georgia Tech in Atlanta, but they, there's no other competition. So you can go ahead and uh, and just slide as, slide those in there as free spaces, I guess you could say, uh, on all of our viewers' guides. So we've got the week one game draft. All the options are available. You do not have to pick a Saturday game first or a Thursday game first. Am I on the clock? Is that, is that where we're going? Yeah, it's funny. The guy who did the, uh, the draft sheet gave himself the first pick in the draft. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Weird. it works out. West Virginia Pitt. Give me the backyard brawl. First, for the whole weekend slate. For, uh, one comma one. <laughs> there, all right, look. Number one, the rivalry itself has such amazing history in terms of, like, there's just the general hate that happened. But when I really started to understand how much that meant, was when Pitt pulled the rug out from West Virginia and prevented West Virginia from being able to compete for a national championship with a win in the backyard brawl. And wasn't that game like 10 to 7? Yeah, it was a beauty. Yeah. It was just an absolute slugfest. Dave Wanstead just getting one over on Rich Rodriguez. And I love that West Virginia team. I would have loved to see Rich Rodriguez and those Mountaineers be able to go and potentially compete for a national championship. But then from then on, I, I was a little bit more in tune uh, to all the ups and downs of this rivalry. It 13 to 9 is what the way the chat informs us. I think that there are going to be some bigger games. There are more ranked on ranked games. But especially when you start to look at the other options on Thursday, there's another one that I do like as well. You start to look at the options on Friday. Uh, I think that this is this is one I wanted to have on my board. It's very important to me that West Virginia Pitt. Uh, is on the board. JT Daniels suiting up for West Virginia. Keaton Slovis suiting up for Pitt. So forget the own the own rivalry history. We got former USC quarterback against former USC quarterback. We've got Pat Narduzzi getting back to the ground and pound thanks to you know Nebraska's new offensive coordinator who just perpetually stays getting thrown under the bus by his head coaches is no longer throwing the ball too much. Yeah, give me uh, Pitt against West Virginia. First round, first pick, backyard brawls back, baby. Of course, you bring up the USC former quarterbacks because you are the voice of the USC Trojans, <laughs> featured prominently on their hype video. Holy cow. 
Um, I didn't see. Are you really? I haven't seen. Oh, it. Chip is all over that thing. I saw Pate put out a thing. He's on there, and he's like barely on there. Chip is like they go back. Like it's like three different clips of Chip raving about Lincoln Riley and how they're going to be great. All I mean, you are the voice of the Trojans. Love uh, I love the game. It would not have been my first pick. Hail to Pitt. My dad is a Pitt Panther, so we'll see how that By the way, unfolds. Yeah, Jordan, you want to be really happy? They are adding episode length to our ad marker placement report. So I, I just made our producer Jordan extremely happy uh, for his Mondays now. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Uh, no, Chip, I, I think that's a great pick, man. I, I'm very curious to see uh, what will happen with the West Virginia defensive line. I, I think losing Mesador to Miami through the transfer portal and you know Porter, and, and they lost a lot of guys on defense. And you know Pitt, even though I think there's a, some reason to worry that Narduzzi's less efficient this year because they're all like we're going to run the ball more, and I'm like I hate when I see that kind of stuff. I'm like yeah, run it more. That's less efficient. Great, uh, but they do return their entire O line, entire D line, and their entire secondary. You give Pat Narduzzi those kind of tools, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. A lot of Big 12 people I follow seem to be hyping up West Virginia. They think they're bowling. I may be missing something with my numbers. I'm not really sure that I, that I see that. So we'll see. But I do I get a pick here? Or, yeah, uh, okay. Oh. All right. So I tried to run some analytics on this stuff to figure out like where the biggest drop-offs were. And I didn't actually have time because I had, I had a meeting. So I only got through two games on Thursday, and I, I did figure out Thursday. So I'm sticking hold, hold, on hold Thursday. On, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You were running analytics for our week. Yeah. I had my, my betting sheet pulled up, and I was like, all right, which, which were the most watchable? And yeah, it was ner- nerd them. So I got through three games. Beep, beep, boop, boop. But not. I think Chip's got the chipolytics here because Western <laughs> Pitt was my was my best uh, my best selection. <laughs> We're trapped on the same board. <laughs> yeah, he, he's got me hacked. Uh, Google Sheets sharing. Uh, I'm not seeing anybody. Chip, Chip's on ghost mode. Yeah. Uh, Penn State Purdue. A lot of narrative here. Penn State is a small favorite on the road. Excited to see just how good Sean Clifford plays when he comes back. He was playing like a top ten quarterback by the numbers, of course, before he got hurt last year. A lot of people seem to like this Purdue team a whole lot after their bowl victory against Tennessee. They do lose Bell and, and Milton Wright, so we'll have to see how they are at receiver. Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited to watch this because if Penn State doesn't win this game, you're going to have all these media who don't cover college football all the time like we do talking about James Franklin hot seat when he just got like a $150 million contract, which means it's not happening. And everybody that I know is pointing to 2023 for Penn State. So we'll get that fun narrative if the Nittany Lions lose. And obviously, Purdue, if they don't win this, uh, if you're going to have a special year, that's kind of one of the season, one of the games you have to get. I stole my Thursday pick. I was actually going to take that because I figured there's a pretty thin slate on that day. But no, I'm very interested in that game because it is the battle between the team I'm saying is underrated versus the team I'm saying is overrated in the Big Ten. So it's a pretty important game for my narratives. Uh, for my first round pick, I, I'll take the other weeknight. I'm going to go to the duh Friday night, Bloomington, Indiana. <laughs> the Indiana Hoosiers coming off. Were they 1 and 8 or 0 and 9 last year in Big Ten play? I think they were winless. Coming off a winless season in the Big Ten with the home opener, the Big Ten opener against the mighty Illini coming in off a 32 point blowout win over a terrific Wyoming team. I think that team's going to make a lot of noise in the Mountain West and this Illinois win is only going to be more impressive as the season goes along. Uh, I I think this is honestly a very not huge game for either team, but for both of these teams, 
if they want to get to a bowl game this year, and I think it's not a likely expectation, expectation for Indiana, but I don't think it's completely out of the picture. But this is one of those games that I feel like both of these teams need to win. I think Indiana coming off the winless Big Ten season after doing so well in 2020 could just use it for morale to get a nice home win to start the year against Illinois. For Illinois, it's a test because they had to play on Saturday against Wyoming and they won, but now they've got to turn around in a short week, go on the road to Indiana, which they haven't played in Bloomington since I think 2013. These two teams, you know, considering the rivalry between them in basketball, the football side of things, they they haven't been able to play very often. So the rivalry between them is hurting. So I feel like a nice primetime game on Friday on, on a national network. It's a big game. You know who I'm rooting for, but... uh. Yeah, to me, that's the best game on Friday night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Wow. So you guys all could have gone anywhere on the board, and those are the games you chose. Anywhere from Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Yeah, it's a draft, mm-hmm. though. These, I know. Saturday's these games deep. we picked. Yeah, hey. <laughs> these great. games we picked are the games that are going to not have you get in a fight with your wife if you try to put that on a big screen. <laughs> Danny's going to go out here and pick some great game, and we're going to come around on this thing, and he's going to be like, honey, we have to watch – Central Michigan and Oklahoma State on Thursday night or Good. Temple Duke on yeah. Friday, right? No, so see, I, I'm, I've spent a lot of meetings in with the executives. I know how this draft process works for, for the broadcast <laughs> companies. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get the best game of the entire weekend with my first pick. And I go back to back, right? We're doing snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Give me for my Saturday night special – Give me Utah going to the swamp to take on the Florida Gators, 7 o'clock ESPN. The game is going to be tight. It has playoff implications for Utah for sure. Who knows what will happen with the Gators. Got to give Gator Dan back in here, see what happens in this game. Um, I think this game is one of the most fascinating games of the entire weekend. So I'm going to lock that one up. Can't I didn't want it anyway. You can have it. Fine. All right, perfect. About that great pick. Then <laughs> for my, I'll go ahead. I'm going to go 3.30. I'm going to go to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Mm. I'm going to have ESPN tuned up for a top 25 matchup of Cincinnati play, coming off their playoff appearance versus the Arkansas Razorbacks of the mighty SEC West trying to shock the world. I know I'll have my trolling Twitter fingers ready in case Cincinnati jumps out to an early lead. <laughs> Cannot miss this game. That will be my number two choice. Pandering. You are pandering to the masses with these picks. Come on, show some I'm imagination. Star power. I want ratings. 
Cincinnati and Arkansas is the most fun, right? Yes. They like go on in the Saturday 3:30 slate. There are other games that can have intrigue. You know, there's another game that has higher ranked teams, but that is the one that the fun factor and the unknown about the Cincinnati Bearcats that is I, I like that pick. That was uh, that was my three thirty number one on the board. So respect there. All right, so we're cycling back to Tom. I will say, Danny, you've been in on those drafts. I, any of our bosses at CBS Sports, I will happily take place in the Big Ten drafts for you in the coming years if you would like to know which games we should be selecting on a weekly basis. Um, I'm going to stay in that three thirty Saturday window because. I, I would have I had in my 330 window, I had Arkansas Cincinnati at number one on my board, but I want to get the game that's at number two on my board because I really don't think it'll be coming back to me. Give me number three, Georgia versus number 11, Oregon in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the giant. Uh, I won't. OK, the butthole. And I will. I mean, it's the defending champions. It's Stetson Bennett trying to come back and show how good he is to just shove it down Bud's throat for one more season, going up against the defensive coordinator that knows Stetson Bennett better than anybody in the world, the former Georgia defensive coordinator, Dan Landing, who's replaced Mario Cristobal. And I think this is an Oregon team. Like, Mario leaves, and we kind of just push Oregon to the side and kind of forget about him. I think there's still a lot of talent on this team. Like, I don't think they're going to go to Atlanta and beat Georgia. That's asking a hell of a lot. But I do think this Ducks team is going to be better than some people realize. And I think this game could be more competitive than a lot of people realize. So I'm really looking forward to watching it. Stay tuned to Thursday, maybe. Uh, by the way, cover three as a team, we are up 10 and a half units after week zero. So, yo, that's... Uh... If, I don't know how you guys 401k is doing. Most people don't have a 32% ROI after a week. Let's hope we keep that rolling. Um, Tom, that's a great pick. I, dude, I think Oregon, I think they can bang with Georgia. Yeah. I do. Like physically, they can. Oregon's a lot better up front than most of your SEC teams on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Not that one that played against Utah twice. No. Well, <laughs> In-game coaching, maybe not the best aspect of of. No, but I think they, I think what there's the roster was not bare. Like no, he, no. They, they, they had a good roster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, bud. Oh, I really, guys, I had to change my strategy here. Granted, I didn't really have much of a strategy after Thursday, but I, <laughs> in my head, there's no scenario in which I contemplated Notre Dame and Ohio no! State no! still being available. Yeah, Chip, you're not getting this at pick number eight. Come on, man. So. Wow, I roll the dice. I get the Irish and the Buckeyes. I mean, we want to talk about the highest ratings. Danny, this is I mean, clearly like we got to stump for the Big Ten now starting in two years. So I'm going to practice now. <laughs> Notre Dame, Ohio State is the game of the day for sure. Uh, 17 point dogs. We will see. Like, I have Ohio State as the best offense in the country and maybe by a lot. Notre Dame, I like their defense, I like them up front. Don't know if I trust that quarterback. We'll have to see. And uh, is Ohio State's defense fixed? That's so intriguing. We get a lot of stars I like watching in high school. Notre Dame at Ohio State for me. My Your- concern. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I really thought that Bud's disgust for this game. I mean, he was even saying, like, hey, we'll be ready to do the live reaction show in the second quarter, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, like, oh, this yeah, thing- but it's still narrative. <laughs> if, we're, if we're doing the live show at 945, <laughs> we still have something to talk about. Yeah, see, I was going to say, that's my concern is I feel like there is a pretty Decent chance this game will be over by halftime. Hmm. 
also, if Notre Dame plays super slow, the game might be over by 1030 anyway. <laughs> it's true. All right. So it's time to talk about Elon at No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got to get a uh I gotta get a night game. I still have to get I, I still have to fill out my entire uh my entire slate. So we will start with the prime time. In which case, I do think a lot of my favorite seven and eight o'clock games uh, have been taken off the board. There is a there is a, a place where the special teams are well coached, and where the dome could be electric. Much love to Louisville, Syracuse on the ACC network at eight o'clock. I said it was a thin, uh, a, a thin slate, but I, I think I'm going to be the only one who can trot out uh, a ten thirty because I'm going to go with Boise State at Oregon State in Corvallis. And let me sell you on Boise State coming off a seven and five season, which you found the Broncos surprisingly not at the top of the Mountain West. Yet you go to a lot of the preseason predicted order of finish, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, they'll be good. They'll be right back." And they had a lot of injury issues, sure. But Andy Avalos, that's a, that's a tough task because you've got Fresno State there, you've got a Utah State program that's obviously surging. San Diego State is not going anywhere, and now you're going on the road to play Jonathan Smith and this Oregon State team that they just got to a bowl game for the first time. Entertainment factor. Uh, point spread is Oregon favored by three. So at home in Corvallis, that thing is very much a coin flip type game. And it's at 1030. So while these other games are ending and while after you're done watching the, uh, the Cover 3 podcast live reaction show on Saturday night, Chip's pick. Is the only one that's going to be able to uh, tuck you in at bed, tuck you into bed at night. Boise State at Oregon State. Next, I will be going to the noon slate on Saturday, where we are going to be going to Boone, North Carolina, mm. The Rock, App State, at home, North Carolina. Point spread, a pick'em. Buddy, if you thought that this North Carolina defense looked suspect with Florida A&M marching up and down the field, what are your feelings going to be when App State, which makes its bread and butter, trying to whoop your ass at the line of scrimmage, push you around, and run the ball right at you, Chase Bryce hitting you on a, a little bit of like play action from time to time, I, I think that this game is going to be uh, extremely Extremely interesting. Mac Brown, of course, uh, was a head coach at App State prior to his first arrival at North Carolina. And App State beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill the last time these two teams played. I thought that Drake May with his five touchdowns looked really, really good. But this is, you, you want to talk about narrative. You want to talk about the the takes that might be coming from a, an ACC team that is, yeah, about middle of the pack in the whole conference. But probably a top three, top four team in the ACC Coastal Division. And App State obviously picked to win the Sunbelt East Division, uh, one of the teams that is right there at the top of a surging Sunbelt Conference. Kid Brewer Stadium, a.k.a. The Rock, is one of the one of my favorite, I mean, huge homer, but like one of my favorite uh, college football settings with the way the stadium is kind of nestled into the mountains. It's walking distance from campus. Uh, the whole atmosphere around there is awesome, and I expect that it'll be uh, – It'll be on fire with the Tar Heels in town. So uh, I'm going to go with the noon slate. Give me North Carolina at App State. Chip is the Phoebe Bridgers of this draft. He's a critical darling. Yes. 
I'll take it. Not not mainstream, but those who know know. Yep. A big if you know you know uh, vibe so far. Okay, so that has me with. Um, I've got. I, well, I'll do a, a quick review. Call it up for those that are watching live along on YouTube or on Facebook. Through, uh, I got three picks on the board. Pitt at West Virginia is my Thursday. Oregon State, Boise State is my Saturday p.m. App State, North Carolina is my Saturday noon. Bud's got Purdue, Penn State on Thursday. Ohio State, Notre Dame. He's got four Big Ten teams right there. Uh, Tom's got Indiana, Illinois on Friday. Georgia against Oregon, Saturday midday. Danny's got Florida, Utah as his Saturday p.m. Arkansas, Cincinnati as his Saturday midday. Bud, back to you. All right, let's do this thing. Uh, I'm going to go to the Dome. Saturday afternoon, I thought the two best games there are already picked, Oregon, Georgia, Cincinnati, Arkansas. But if you're a three, you know, four-screen guy, I'm, I'm saying Houston at UTSA is intriguing. A lot of people think Houston could be a almost a BCS darling, but, but a playoff crasher or at least a New, a New Year's Six-type uh, team this year. UTSA cost me some coin last year on my Western Kentucky uh, future, unfortunately, in, uh, in CUSA. I'm in, interested to see what happens to UTSA with some of their personnel losses. Houston second year with the quarterback, with Dana, I think they're rightfully favored. This could be a pretty interesting game in the Dome, and it's one that Houston has to have. And if UTSA wins this, then I think they are probably pretty clearly your your CUSA favorite. Love, love, love this game. Uh, You will be able to find it on CBS Sports Network where all the real ones know that that is where – like, you know what song you're going to hear? For Houston UTSA, it ain't called the SEC on CBS theme music. It's the CBS college football theme music. You tune in to Houston UTSA, you're going to hear the same way that you're going to hear it when that Big Ten game slips in in a few years. So uh, the the, the trumpets belong to the eye, baby. And I I am a huge, huge fan of that game. Uh, I've been very, very bullish on Houston and UTSA, on Houston so far. So this is definitely a big test for in all of my over like Houston will be the highest ranked group of five team takes and UTSA obviously also has Texas on deck. So scout for that game as well as you tune into that one. All right. I'm on the board. I'm going to use some game theory here because I see Danny has his Saturday night and his Saturday midday. Thursday is pretty bleak. I've already got my Friday game. So I got to get a Saturday morning game before Danny can snake it from me. Uh, I'm going to go with a game that Danny might want to watch, but sorry, buddy, you're not going to get it. Give me East Carolina versus NC State on Saturday at noon on ESPN. I want to see Devin Leary. I want to see the Wolfpack. This is the team that we've talked about a lot in the offseason as being somewhat of a sleeper in the ACC, Devin Leary being one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And this is an ECU team that I don't have the highest of hopes for in 2022, but I do like Mike Houston. I think Mike Houston is a good coach. I do think that ECU is improving and heading in the right direction. And, you know, at home, season opener, first week of the season is when we see a lot of strange things. NC State, as much as I like them, they get a little too conservative on offense sometimes, let teams hang around. We could see some sleepy early Saturday upset potential here, so I'm going to be tuning in. You bastard. Yeah. That was the game I wanted to. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> that was the game I wanted. All right. I need a noon. Um, Looking at that slate, that was where I was going to go. But you know what? I said I'm a ratings whore. So give me Colorado <laughs> State 
at Michigan. Let me see the Wolverines defend that Big Ten title. Let me see what the quarterback looks like. It's Cade McNamara's start. He's playing for his job. I think it'll be a blowout, but that first half could be interesting. We'll learn something about the quarterback. So I got the big brands coming at my noon window. Um, for my Friday night game, a lot of these I wanted to base on my, wouldn't it be hilarious? <laughs> like if we just like go with the, the funniest, the ones that would make you laugh out loud the most, um, that was it, you know, and also the, uh, the NC state game, that line, did you see it? It's only eight and a half. It's mm-hmm. on the road. It's a little tighter. What? Could be a wouldn't it? Yeah. I was like, that's one of our, all of our, it was uh, no, it's, it's definitely not. It, it's, it's 11 and a half. Or yeah. 11. Oh, it so. is. I've yeah. got Caesars pulled up right here, and uh, it says 11, but I might be wrong. Um, all right, different one. So I'll go Friday night. I'll go. Sorry, I was going to have to send a text if it was eight, if it was eight and a half again. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go TCU at Colorado Friday night, 10 it's o'clock. Again, like you guys, I think Chip said it earlier, like one of those late games, the only one able to watch – Games all night long till up late at night. Sonny Dykes' era starts at TCU. I think this could be a pretty good turnaround option for him. Colorado's been a mess. You don't know what you're going to get, but a little uh, little Big 12, Pac-12 action. I'll take that one. Yeah, if it wasn't for the Illini, that would have been the number one Friday game for me. Important game. That's, you know, TCU could lose that game, and TCU could, you know, course correct. You're playing in Boulder. Colorado could play them tough, but TCU could also win uh, pretty dramatically. So I, I like that game a lot. All right, so that's back to Tom for your fourth pick. All right, so Chip and Bud both have their Thursday pick. I can avoid that. I still need my Saturday primetime pick. And Chip, you scared me the last time you went because when you said you were going late on Saturday to the 1030 window, I thought you were going to take this game, which is the game I wanted the entire time. So I understand Oregon State and Boise State, but give me – Washington at home against Kent State because it's the first game of Kalen DeBoer's tenure at Washington. I want to see what that offense is going to look like with a more offensive-minded head coach. And Kent State is a team that I wrote a story earlier this you know offseason, earlier this month, on the chaos teams. Kent State has a chance to be a chaos team this year because of its offense and because of the teams it's playing on the schedule, and that includes this home opener against Washington. I just mentioned in the ECUNC State explanation that first week of the season is when you tend to see some crazy kind of upsets you didn't see coming. Just saying, Kent State's offense can give you trouble. It could force you to score points, and Washington has not really shown enough of a history of being able to score the points when they need them, so I think the Huskies win, but I'm going to be finishing my Saturday night watching this while we're doing a live reaction show. I'm going to have eyes on it close. I love that pick, man. I thought you were going to take Army at Coastal because it meant like you could still be in bed by midnight central if you go with that one, right? Like that's <laughs> you know, that, that, That'll be a pretty quick game. Uh, that's that's a great pick. I'm, I'm excited the only reason I, I didn't have that on my sheet for that is because Washington played Arkansas State last year, and it was the one game that was like, oh, maybe their defense is okay, or, yeah. or their offense is okay, rather, because Arkansas State gave up like a 50-burger to that Washington team. Uh, but that's a great pick. I'm really excited to watch that one. Um, all right, so, Bud, it's back to you for your fourth pick. All right, uh, so I'm basically – Locked in here. There's only a couple I, I can do, uh, but I'm going to go Friday night because I think there's only three good games on Friday, and we have four people in this draft. And good might be a little a little generous, but I'm going to take the Hokies under new coach Brent no. Fry. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Revenge I game. I thought I was going to have this as my sicko fifth round pick. Come I on. am not taking Temple Duke on a Friday night. Absolutely not. All right. Hokies with Brent Pry. They go to Old Dominion. I got burned on Old Dominion last year, right? I bet they're under under the win total. So I learned a lot about these guys, trying to figure out why the hell I was wrong about them. They can score the ball. If Virginia Tech can't put points on the board, if they're a little rusty coming out, this one could be interesting. So I'm going to go Hokies at ODU. I don't know why they're playing at ODU. ACC teams do some weird stuff in terms of playing road games at G5s. Maybe this is a two-for-one or something, or I don't know, hurricane relief or, or whatever reason I'll probably get tagged on Twitter for. Uh, but give me this one. Well, that I mean, was the eight-and-a-half-point line I was looking at before. <laughs> I was looking at possibly taking that game. I mean, the the Tidewater is an important Virginia Tech recruiting base. I mean, you you are going, right. hoping that Virginia Tech fans are going to show up and and be there um, representing you in the same way that NC State is hoping that, that Wolfpack fans are going to make the trip to Greenville in the same way that you're hoping that North Carolina fans are going to, you know, be at App State. So I, some of it is probably recruiting. Some of it's, you know, probably getting good relations with the high school coaches. But I, I like how you said revenge game, Tom, because while mm-hmm. Justin Quinte was not officially fired until near the end of the 2021 season, I argue that the yes. moment that Justin Quinte's tenure <laughs> ended at Virginia Tech was when he lost in Norfolk against ODU in 2018. He continued to coach for three more seasons, but when Virginia Tech saw, uh, when Virginia Tech fans saw that loss to an ODU program that, within the context of Virginia football, more recently had even just made the move from FCS to FBS. So it carried the stink of an FCS loss. I think Ricky Ronnie's done a really good job with ODU. I'm not surprised they were able to exceed their win total. And I agree with you, bud. They are a very dangerous team. Uh, I, I liked that Friday game. I thought that no one was going to take it. And now that puts me in a tricky spot for, uh, for Friday. But first, because first we'll tackle Thursday. Uh, BYU USF is not my pick. It is interesting for all of our expectations that we've heaped on BYU. Can Jerry Bohannon, the former Baylor quarterback, be able to have some success with Jeff Scott as Jeff Scott has won three games in two years as the Bulls head coach? But do you know why I'm not going to put that on my viewers, guy? Because that thing is guaranteed for weather delays. (laughs) I already looked at the weather, and I was like, I don't want to put you, the viewer, through having to keep up with all the weather delays and getting all that extra studio coverage. Much love to studio hosts and talent who have to go through uh, those extended weather delays. There could be a money-making opportunity uh, in Tulsa, Wyoming, right? Hmm? There could be a money-making opportunity in Tulsa, Wyoming. But I'm going to go to the best one-win team in America. (laughs) He's going to be making the trip to San Diego to Snapdragon Stadium. I don't. What's Snapdragon is a cell phone company. What's Snapdragon? Sure, I think what? it's one of the new dragons in in the HBO show. Slap, slap bracelet. Snapdragon Stadium, San Diego, California, Arizona at San Diego State. Uh, we obviously uh, had on our win totals lock Arizona over the two and a half. They are a six point underdogs against the San Diego State team that. I believe is going to be competing for the Mountain West title, but the way that San Diego State handles its business, it's going to be low scoring. You're always going to have a chance all throughout that game. Uh, give me Arizona San Diego State as my 330 window. I think that that one is 
selfishly for like win total purposes. But if you're going to believe all the talk that Tom and I have had about this Wildcats team under Jed Fish, then you, you're going to want to see something uh, out of Arizona in that spot. Finally, uh, I've got to wrap this thing up with the Friday. Illinois, Indiana is off the board. TCU, Colorado is off the board. My sneaky Virginia Tech ODU is off the board, which does leave me, bud, with Temple at Duke in the beginning of the Mike Elko era and the beginning of the Stan Drayton era. Two first-year coaches. Uh, the game's going to be in Wallace Wade Stadium, and it is the Blue Devils. It, it is the Blue Devils' most likely win. So if you want to see the the best of Duke in terms of execution, it's probably going to come later in the year. But if you want to see the best of Duke in terms of being able to put a W on the board, it's probably right here at the beginning of the season. Uh, so I will round this out with. I mean, I I don't I don't have any love for Western Michigan, Michigan State. I don't. I yeah. can't believe Michigan State. I can't believe Michigan State opening the season on a Friday night against a directional Michigan school for the thousandth year in a row didn't get drafted. It's boring. Yeah. Probably. But maybe. Chip, are you getting bonus points for watching this in person? Like, are you going to jog around the track while this game happens? The track's <laughs> gone. Hey, that's it is? Yeah, that's it. The track's gone? Yeah, we got the oh, track. No. Yeah, oh, no. Oh, man. The- I mean, it. People are asking if, team if, speed. Yeah, people are asking if removing the track was really the downfall of the David Cutcliffe era. People are asking, but you know, I I don't think that myself. All right, so, but you got to pick what Saturday early. Okay, Saturday early. Uh, yeah, there's only one game left for me that I really think is is in this shot. This is not a real exciting game to watch, but it's a game. What's going on, man? Sick day. Hey, oh. <laughs> we, right, we, doing, we, we doing Blippy? <laughs> Blippy. Blippy excavator song. Uh, we're, right. big on, we're big on Carl's car wash now. Okay. I, I, we haven't checked that one out. We were doing some, there's some British one. It looks like it's from the 90s with uh, like a bunch of construction vehicles and whatnot. Anyway, sorry. I, I'll, uh, I'll get to the pick here. Rutgers, who I don't really trust. Personnel-wise, but I do trust their coaching staff. With Boston College, again, I trust their coaching staff. I think they have a much better quarterback in this game with Phil Dracovic coming back. However, they lost all five offensive linemen from last year. This could be a game that's played in like the 20s, like the 1920s or 20 points total, depending on <laughs> – interpret that how you will. But I, I uh, this is by far the best remaining game – that I'm actually allowed to pick via the rules of this game. So I'm extremely excited to watch Rutgers Boston college to kick off my Saturday morning. (sighs) All right. So I've got two games here on Thursday that are worth my time, I think. And my time apparently is not worth much. Uh, You know what? Give me Oklahoma state central Michigan. I just think, you know, I want to see the Cowboys. it'll, It'll be our first glimpse into Derek Mason's defense to be our first glimpse into whether this offense has decided to take a step forward against a central Michigan team that, you know, has, I think, didn't they beat Oklahoma state a few years ago in Oklahoma state, or at least come close. They were plucky last year in the Mac. I think they could be plucky again this year. This will be again, Thursday night, first game of the season. Stranger things have happened. Tom, this is the revenge game of the fifth down game. There we go. That's mm. what it was. Yep. From a while back. Like, I, I'm curious if Gundy just just decides to remind Central Michigan just, just how much he likes them. <laughs> Jim McElwain will let that happen. 
Fire up <laughs> chips. <laughs> All right, last one. Yes. I'm on the board. I need a Thursday. Some good options. Could see a Heisman campaign from Hendon Hooker start off. Gus Malzahn at UCF, but I'm not going there. At 8 o'clock Thursday night, I'm going to Protective Stadium in Birmingham, Alabama, where Bryant Vincent takes over, where Bill Clark left off. Can they carry over the momentum from a 9-4 finish in 2021? It's their fifth straight season of at least 60% of their games, winning them since returning from that hiatus in 2017. Comes down to Dwayne McBride, their monster at running back. He's one reason to be optimistic about him. Breakout season, 1,371 rush yards, averaging 6.7 yards per rush and 13 touchdowns, uh, 13 rushing touchdowns in 13 games. And watch out for UAB. Alabama, A&M, watch out. They've been playing football since 1912. You don't get to hear their game lately because they haven't played an FBS team since 2018. In those games previous, from 2008 to 2018, they lost all games by 22 points or more. But could this be the time they get a win against an FBS team? You do not want to miss it on CBS Sports Network at 8 o'clock on Thursday night. Are you on the call for this? I'm in studio. Yeah, I was going to say, those are game notes. on every game. Come on, yeah. I get those kind of nuggets. Yeah, yeah, I, know, I know, I know. I was, I was like, that's, that is a well-prepared research package. <laughs> Shout out to the CBS. Why isn't the only one running simulators for our draft? <laughs> Danny, like se- secret FCS syndicate operator, Danny over here. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fantastic. All right, let's uh, review how we put this all together. Um, uh, I'll, I'll read everyone's in the order uh, as it unfolds, as opposed to uh, how it goes. So uh, I've got Pitt in West Virginia gets me started on Thursday. The renewal of the backyard brawl, the Mike Elko and Stan Drayton eras get started with Duke Temple on Friday. Then on Saturday, we go to the Rock for App State, North Carolina. Then on to San Diego State, Arizona. Finish it with the nightcap with Oregon State and Boise State. Bud starts on Thursday with Purdue, Penn State. On Friday, we go to Old Dominion, Virginia Tech. Saturday lays out with Boston College, Rutgers in, at noon, the UTSA, Houston in the midday, and Ohio State, Notre Dame at, in the primetime spot. Tom starts on Thursday with Oklahoma State at Central Michigan. Friday gives you Indiana, Illinois. Saturday unfolds with ECU, NC State, followed by Georgia, Oregon, followed by Washington and Kent State. Danny, Starts with UAB, Alabama, A&M on Thursday, Colorado, TCU on Friday, then Michigan, Colorado State in the noon, Arkansas, Cincinnati in the midday, and Florida, Utah in the primetime. I got four of my original five from my original board. When I Before I knew we were doing a draft style and I was just picking the games that I wanted to watch in each window, I got four of the five. Oh, so what, uh, let's let's do that real quick. How would you? And do y'all need to go? I know we we just ran over an hour. All right. So if if you were to if we were not doing this draft style and you were just picking one, what would your five be? Uh, the only one that would have changed on my board would have been Purdue and Penn State on Thursday night. Everything else was the same. I would have taken backyard brawl Thursday night. Friday night's not a great slate. I'm, I'll stick with my TCU Colorado. Wow, then, disrespecting Illinois right to my face. <laughs> that game is good. That game's a good one. It's a conference really game. One. 
Um, the noon window, I do think the North Carolina app one is the couldn't it be hilarious play, which is also going to be an entertaining game. So that one I swapped out. And then 3.30, app is seven, I, got, I got my uh, – oh, that's up to favorite? I thought it was it's, it moved again? Yeah. Wow. Maybe time to jump on the heels. My my three thirty and seven, I got what I wanted. The uh, since Arkansas and Utah, Florida. Are we? Can we go back to something Tom said? Tom said he would not change any picks except for that one. You really want Kent State, Washington over Utah, Florida, or Notre Dame, Ohio State? Yes, because I think that there's wow. a good chance that those games are blowouts. Oh well, that's a preview of Locks Pod. If both those are blowouts, I'm saying there's in a good what, chance. In what direction though? Well, we'll find out on Thursday, won't we? <laughs> That's right. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Cover 3 podcast. And if you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, smash that bell for notifications. But guess what? We have made it easy for you. 11 a.m. Eastern time is when we get things started uh, on Monday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. And so you just need to set your clock or again, smash that bell for notifications. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.